Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city. Anyway, um, today is week three of Chicago Healed, um, and the problem with me always looking forward with vision and seeing things that are coming ahead, I'm like all excited about the next series that's coming up, about all about mighty women in the Bible. So it's just, we're going to be like eight weeks talking about um, living in expectation and all these mighty women who God used, and they, they saw things long before anybody else did, from Hannah to Zipporah to Esther to Ruth to the unnamed servant girl of Naaman, all these people, Elizabeth, Mary, all these people who had these hearts um, and lived with expectation and anticipation. And I believe that's going to set us up to go into the end of the year. But also it really coincides with this discipleship course that we should be growing in our expectation of things that God is going to do. It, it does something inside of us. And as we begin to expect what God is doing, even in the city of Chicago, this is why it becomes necessary for us to share these small what we consider to be insignificant small stories of people getting healed or people getting touched or people getting saved, it is important for us to realize that so many ministers have come to the city and left with their head down and left saying, it's too hard there. The ground is too hard. Nothing is going to grow. It's never going to be anything that you would call a revival in this city because it is just too godless. And why I am starting these messages with the uh, negative parts of Chicago, it is all for us to turn our gaze toward God and ask him what he thinks. That people in the news may say one thing or another about what's going on. God, what is your heart for the city of Chicago? That his heart is for the city to be healed, for us to continue to pray for those, for us to continue to go out and touch people and to just like never give up. Because as we see in scripture, there are so many people who had plenty of opportunity to throw in the towel and nobody would have blamed them. Nobody would have been like, oh man, why why are you giving up? It's like, dude, I've seen what you've been through and that's tough. Yeah, go ahead and lay it down. Um, And I just think of all the people who are being ravaged by the enemy and his ways. Folks who are living in households and people are demonized on the north side and the south side and the west, every side of the city, people are dealing with darkness. No matter what the narrative in the media may be. But I believe that Chicago will be healed From our first week was corruption, our second week was poverty, and this week is violence. The major things that you think of Chicago, and that's the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people. Like, oh man, that's a a violent city. Oh, it's corrupt. Didn't you have another uh, politician who got uh, indicted? Oh man, I hear that that west side looks horrible, man. It's trash everywhere, just impoverished. It's like a third world country, isn't it? 
but remembering that God has given us, uh, Jesus specifically has taught to be attitudes. How do we be in the midst of a city that may not be the way that it's supposed to be? How do we see it with his eyes? How do we see a city that is seemingly violent? And we never account for the violence perpetuated by the government sometimes. We only account for the violence that's perpetuated in the streets. Do you know how to maintain all this stuff that we have around this world? How violent this country has had to get? Woo-wee! Violence. But America hides it very well. Most Western countries do. They hide it very well. Their history of colonialism and their history of... Um, of murder around the country and we paint ourselves as some sort of perfect nation but know that we will be judged even by the things that we have done thank you and so violent we have been God still loves us but it does make it a very difficult process for our real job, which is to be carriers of his presence. In the Old Testament, David was a man after God's own heart. God loved him so much. He brought music and worship together, and he had his harp, you know what I'm saying? He's hanging out, he's killing lions and bears, and he's, you know, cutting off Goliath's head. He's just a man after God's own heart. Like, when you really think about Scripture, it's pretty gory in a lot of ways. Anybody ever read the book of Joshua? It's a lot of heads getting chopped off. It's Game of Thrones, like a mug, <laughs> you know what I mean? A show that I can't watch is crazy, but my brother sent me a text this week. Have you seen the new Game of Thrones? I'm like, I can't watch that show. Like, I'm not saying that I'm like super, that sensitive, but man, that show goes far. <laughs> but it's like, you know, Joshua's Game of Thrones, Gideon even, all these people that God used and we just wash over these moments that they had, um, even of violence. But it was something about David's life and, and the way that he lived and did all that he could to build God's kingdom, that God couldn't use him to build a place for his presence. That he says, even in his passage we're going to read, which is First Chronicles 22, 6 through 10, that he couldn't use him because he had too much blood on his hands. Why? Because our original, our original purpose is... Oh, girls, here they come. Our original... <laughs> Our original purpose is to be carriers of God's presence. And what is God's presence? Nothing but God's peace. Now David said, Solomon, is, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. And the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all the countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. 
Behold, a son shall be born to you, that sounds familiar, who shall be a man of rest and peace, and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Solomon could build the temple because he was a man of peace. He was living in a peaceful time. See, sometimes we just think, we think uh, peace is the absence of chaos. That is not what peace is. Just stop it. Just put down the guns. Just put down the guns. Peace. It's like, that's not really what peace is. Peace is not put down the guns. Peace is the presence of God. It is a substance. It is filling any and all and everything with his goodness that doesn't require any violence whatsoever. That when we're telling people to stop, don't do this, don't do that, we're not telling them what to do. This is what makes the Beatitude such a beautiful picture of the new covenant that Jesus is ushering into the world. Because he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Makers of peace, as opposed to keepers of peace who need weapons. Our only weapon that is required for us is courage as peacemakers. Solomon was a son of David. Jesus was even called the son of David. And the son of God. All these people in scripture from Samson to David to Benaniah to his mighty man to Joshua and Gideon. They were all these mighty men who fought in war and just killed so many people. Jesus ushered in a new kingdom, one of peace, where he is the prince. The lion has become now the lamb who is slain who lays down his life on behalf of others. That we're searching for peace in our hearts and peace in the city, and we are searching for something that comes with his presence. This is where our real pursuit has to be. This is what our heart longs to be filled with. This is what we desire in our innermost being. In Psalm 16 and 7, in his presence there is fullness. And on his right hand there is pleasures forevermore. In his presence. But that doesn't seem to be enough sometimes. I... You know, sometimes I feel like I'm crazy. You know, you probably think, I don't know. if I'm, You might think I'm crazy. I don't know. But <laughs> it's like, I just like, it's these drums that I've just been beating for so, so long. And um, one of them is just that the importance of our pursuit of God's presence. That we wouldn't take cues from the enemy, although this series is called Chicago Healed from Violence, this message today is Chicago Healed from Violence, we shouldn't take our cues from the enemy because then we are always trying to treat 
symptoms necessarily as opposed to fill everything with the goodness of God. That one of the greatest forms of violence is silence. That this became sort of a mantra in the times where the pursuit of justice was more trendy. Um, but silence is also violence self-inflicted for ourselves. That when the enemy tells us who we are, we don't respond at all to that. Much less our city, but much less us. Look what you don't have. Look what you don't do. Look how you've messed up. Look at your effed up family. Look at all these things that the enemy reminds us of constantly that we take in silence. But think about us responding immediately. Nah, sucker, that's not who I am. God has called me to be an abundant son and daughter of God. Why? Because I am a peacemaker. God has put me in my family for a specific reason. God has put me on this earth for a specific reason to love those who are dealing with violence, but it doesn't work if we're being violent to ourselves and violent to our identity, that God who's called us to be, that we would even be a son and a daughter who go boldly into the presence of God. One day I hope that I will have the... uh boldness of my son Elijah <laughs> this kid is like he, he doesn't know we're like in this trampoline park yesterday and uh he's like man I want some water him and his friend are jumping on trampolines whatever he's like I want some water I'm like tr looking around trying to find water he goes over to somebody's birthday party <laughs> he's like and they got a case of water he's like I see water but go over there so he goes to the lady hey uh can we have some water she's like uh okay <laughs> Who are you, kid? It gives him two bottles of water. I'm just like, he doesn't know no at all. You know what I'm saying? But to me, he's always a picture of what a son of God is or what a son is. That they go into the refrigerator, they take out whatever they want. If the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, then what is a locked door to you? If you need something... You like, I'm going to get it. I need it. I see it. God has made a provision for me. That is a son. And I think violence comes from us feeling like we have to scrape and claw for everything ourselves. That we, our heart doesn't have a home. That we don't, we don't really have a place where we can be safe enough to be present. So we have to fight for every single, people are not giving, I got to figure it out myself. And even me, I have a tendency to go toward, I'll just figure it out myself. But I'm not going to ask a neighbor for anything. I'm not going to ask anybody for help. I'm just going to figure it out myself. That's not coming from a place of the heart of a son or a daughter. You know, I'm careful with this language because I was in a, a part of a culture that used that as a way for people who are leaders to control you. You know what? I'm your spiritual father, okay? So you need to do everything that I say to do. You need to take all my advice perfectly. 
and uh, you'll be successful in life. It's like, dude, you can't control your own life. How are you going to control my life? <laughs> my goal is for us to see God as our father. Therefore, we walk with him in his presence, and he is the one who gives us direction to the right or to the left. That violence really comes from us not feeling like we have a home, us feeling like we're lost. And it becomes, to me, the lowest level of communication. That's what violence is to me. The lowest level of communication. And this is about what a new nation looks like. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That we are learning to bring peace in the midst of chaos that is a confidence and a provision and a presence of God. That how do you fight by laying down a lamb as opposed to being a lion? <laughs> how do you fight by letting God actually fight your battles instead of us needing to claw and scrape for every single thing we are peacemakers, and we're called to be peacemakers. And who are peacemakers? Sons and daughters of God. We know our identity is firm in Christ, and we're not looking to make our own way. quote that I love by William Blake is, God provides for the lion, but the fox provides for himself. That we are sometimes trying to make our way through life as opposed to walking into God's fridge. I remember there's a story of a street fight. Um, which there's something about when it's like, it's at night and it's like chaotic. I was in this neighborhood. This is when I was probably in high school at this house party. And it was just the house was too small for as many people that were in it. And I, I mean, I got there and when I got there, the party was over. Everybody was leaving out. A fight breaks out on the street. And when something like that happens to me, it just feels like anything could happen. Like anybody could, you know, get killed or anything like that. And so I found the biggest dude on the street, <laughs> which interesting enough was a guy I grew up with. His name was Bam. So <laughs> I go over and stand beside him. <laughs> I'm just like, man, this is crazy, ain't it? <laughs> and these dudes are fighting and then another fight breaks out. I'm just like, oh man, okay, I will stand by you. To me, that's how I think of the presence of God being like, it doesn't matter where you are, it is the safety 
of who he has called you to be and who, the safety of who he's called you to walk with. You know, you get older and sometimes you think it has to be all perfect for you to find peace. You know what I'm saying? I got to have my little drink. I got to have my little thing queued up. I got to have all these things shifted around me then. Okay, all right, I can breathe and relax. But imagine that the presence of God with you makes you feel like you're there in that place with your teeth sitting in the garden no matter what happens. Paul is afflicted. The disciples are getting beat up. But walking with the presence of God enough that that's exactly where you are. A peacemaker or even a presence maker. And the other side of violence, which is mourning. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning is not something that anybody would desire. But those who think they can avoid pain do not need a comforter. Why do you need the Holy Spirit if you can avoid pain and avoid mourning? I think we all maybe believe we're better in that than we are. Liz's parents sent us a picture of them. They're part. It's not a retirement community, but it's just like, you know, a neighborhood with a whole bunch of old people. And it's like... That's coming for us. Like, seriously. (laughs) That's going to happen. Life happens. Pain happens. Mourning happens. Yet and still, we have a comforter. That there is so much mourning that happens in communities, that happens especially in a black community, through people losing over and over and over, folks. And PTSD, on top of PTSD, continually, but in our peace as sons and daughters, we're promised that we will be comforted by the comforter. The thing about me being uh, very stubborn is that once I get a vision of what God is doing, I am dogged in pursuing that vision. And um, I might have mentioned this before, but Liz once had a dream. I don't know if it's a dream or a vision. And in this dream, we were in this park, and it was this massive, like, festival. And people came, and I think it was worship happening, but people came, and they put their guns on the stage. Like in droves, people were just coming and putting their guns on the stage. And I'm just like, I'm not giving up until I see that happen. Until I see the presence of God expand in the city in a way that causes people, that causes violence to flee. And the need for violence to flee. And imagine if some of those people were cops. putting down their weapons. That we would be comforted even in the midst of that. How much joy God has given us in the midst of where we are. In Malachi 4 and 6, 
It says the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. That the presence of God through his people will expand and touch every single corner of this city. But sometimes it seems like it's not enough. And I'm talking and I'm like, come on, let's just, you know, and this is me talking to pastors. Like, let's just pray. Let's just pray more. Let's just get together and pray. Let's just get together and intercede for what God wants to do in the city. There are a million other things people would rather be doing. They would rather be sitting in business meetings. They would rather be um, talking about how to grow their church. People would rather be doing this whole army of massive things, but it is truly only the presence of God that can change the city. I'm sorry, there is no other way as we have tried over and over and over again. Stop the violence. Put down guns. What am I supposed to be? We can say what we're not supposed to be, but who are we supposed to be? We are called to be peacemakers, for we are sons and daughters of God. You guys want to stand up? Even Jesus laying down his life for us is a picture of what it means to be present and in his presence. Put out your hands in front of you. Father, I just ask that you would let everyone here be not just reminded, but assaulted by your presence, God. That there would just be moments of your tangible goodness that would find us no matter where we are. That in a world where we don't always communicate the best, in a world where violence seems to be so rampant against each other that your heart is in pain for all of the blood that is shed on a daily basis, God, here and even abroad, that we would not be violent to ourselves, God, that we would let your peace that passes all understanding be made known. And we thank you, Father, for the beauty of your kingdom and of this community. Uh, Thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.